Good morning, everyone. You're most welcome to join us for our online worship today, whether you're a regular attender at church or just looking in. Can I remind you that Storehouse continue to welcome donations of groceries? In fact, your donations are maybe more needed than ever. And we're now opening the dining hall on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for groceries to be dropped off there. We would advise you, if you're doing that, to drive into the car park and to stay in your car while our helpers come out and collect your donations from your car boot. Um, this month, we in McCracken are being particularly asked for tinned tomatoes, but other groceries can be left off as well. Let us worship God. Our hearts cry, How long, O Lord? And the Lord replies to us, Know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. As we continue to wait upon the Lord, may he renew our strength today and give us courage for these long days. Let us come now and worship him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, in the stillness we acknowledge your presence among us as we draw near to you in worship. In your grace you have called us together in Jesus Christ, your Son, to be your church, your people. In him you have shown us the depth of your love and your mercy, that while we were still far away, lost, without direction, you came near to us in Jesus to save us and to bring us into hope and life and fullness of joy. You give new purpose, new direction, new meaning to our lives. You grant to us the privilege of becoming your children, loved and cherished by you, our living God, with a love that we can't begin to imagine. Lord, while we rejoice in your salvation, we know too that we continue to struggle with sin in our lives, with its effects upon us, upon your creation, and upon others around us. And so we confess to you those areas in our lives where we have sinned against you and against others. We confess to you our own selfishness and greed, our impatience, our lack of understanding, our pride and our slowness to come to you in utter surrender, dependence, trusting fully in your grace and your power. Lord, forgive us, we pray, and restore to us today the joy of your salvation. May your love fill us now, and may your love flow out from us to touch the lives of all of those we come into contact with. Fill us anew and afresh with your Holy Spirit, and lead us daily in the way that we should go. Lord, lift us also beyond ourselves to take our place in your family, the Church, that your love might truly be seen and magnified in us, together as your people, serving and reaching out. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading today is taken from the book of Acts. We're reading again from Acts chapter 2, this time from verses 22 through to 47. Acts chapter 2 and verses 22 to 47. Let us hear the word of God. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be, be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words, many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. I know that many of you are listening to this podcast right now in your pyjamas and eating your breakfast. Now don't be worried, I can't see you, it's not a Zoom session. But I do have it on good authority that a good number of you listen to these sermons while having your breakfast or brunch or a cup of coffee. And why not? It's one of the the little luxuries of lockdown. Today's sermon begins with breakfast. And finishes with supper. The breakfast I'm talking about, or at least the breakfast meeting that I'm about to refer to, was one that made possible this wonderfully powerful sermon. Not my sermon, but the sermon that today's reading describes in the second half of Acts chapter 2, when 3,000 people, we're told, were cut to the heart and came to put their faith in Christ. The preaching of the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. Now, cast your minds back before the event of Pentecost, before the ascension of Jesus and his great commission to his disciples to go into all the world and make other disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Before all of that, let's not forget, was a very broken Peter. A Peter who had denied his Lord three times, just as Jesus had predicted of him. Even when challenged by a silly wee servant girl, Peter denied ever knowing Jesus. And realising his feelings, he wept bitterly. He returned to the thing that he felt he did best, catching fish. But despite having fished all night, He caught nothing. And then in the early morning light, a figure standing on the shore called out and told Peter and the others with him to cast the nets onto the other side. And the catch was so great that they couldn't haul it into the boat. Just like when Jesus called them right at the beginning and said that he would make them fishers of men. And of course it was in that moment that they recognised him, the risen Jesus. And as they made their way to the shore, there he was, already with a charcoal fire going, and on it some bread, cooking, and some fish. And three times Jesus looked Peter in the eye. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus had forgiven Peter. And Jesus reinstated him as his apostle. And now on the day of Pentecost, it's hard to believe that it's Peter who stands up with such boldness, not far from where he had given in to such fear. 
and <clears throat> where he denied knowing Jesus. Now here he was, not far from that spot, and he's witnessing. Witnessing to thousands, saying, All Israel, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all those generations who are yet far off, you and me. Do you ever feel like a failure? Like you've let God down? Like you've got a past that haunts you? And that you can't seem to shake off? And that drags you down? And makes you feel that you could never again be any use to God? Well, take heart from Peter and how Jesus was able to bring him back and forgive him and restore him to this wonderful purpose that God had for him. Listen again to Peter's words. This promise, the promise of the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you, to all who are yet far off. I have to say I'm rather envious of Peter having about three thousand people accepting his message, responding in faith to Christ and being baptised on that very day. What a response to one sermon. But what if that was it? What if they had all just responded there and end to Peter's sermon, were baptised and simply went home again? You're forgiven, you've been baptised, now go home and keep the faith. What would have happened? I suspect that not very much would have happened. There might have been no church today because, you see, it was more than just Peter's words that brought the change in their lives. It was the continuing work of God in their lives together. It's what happens next together that is so important because the text carries on. They didn't just stay there, but we're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet Together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Preaching is something very important. It's a means of teaching from the Bible, a means of evangelising encouraging, discipling. It's a means of healing grace and transformation. But it wasn't just Peter's talking on his own that was so important. Of course, it was the work of the Holy Spirit and the moving on to the next step, the actual living out of it in fellowship together, in the power of the Spirit. Church, Church, the radical way that Jesus calls us into being 
together is so essential to who we are, to who we are as Christians, to who we are as church, that being together. And let's remind ourselves of that as we kind of get used to this new normal and doing church from a distance, from the privacy of our own homes. Let's not get too comfortable with that, to being in our slippers and having our breakfast as we watch the video or listen to the podcast. Let's not get too used to it. Because in spite of all the tools that we have in social media and Zoom and YouTube, it's never quite the same, never quite as powerful a testimony as the church gathering together, living, worshipping in actual, not just virtual, community. These things that we're experiencing right now are are necessary for a while. But let's remember that they're not the default position of the Church of Jesus Christ. Let's remind ourselves what the default position of the Church looks like right here in Acts chapter 2, this little snapshot of the first Church, a radical, dynamic, genuine, loving, generous, growing Christian community. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to prayer, studying the scriptures, God's word, together, hungry to study the Bible, which our new assembly moderator in PCI reminded us this week is like a double-edged sword. Be careful, he said, how you handle it, because it cuts both ways. It speaks not only to others and to our world, But it cuts us to the heart as well, correcting us, causing us to grow in the faith and leading us to walk in the ways of the Spirit and of the new life in Christ that we're called to. We're challenged as we study God's word together. And here in Acts chapter 2, you can sense the power of that and what happened. God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And it goes on. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone who had need. And this is what we saw in Jesus when he walked on the earth. Jesus who said uh, to someone, if you want to follow me, you need to be ready to give away everything that you have. And Jesus who said, don't store up for yourselves lots of things here on earth but instead pile up treasures in heaven. So what we see being lived out in this first church community is is simply the same attitude as Jesus had, of giving things away, not piling them up, but being aware of and responding to the needs around us. Remember Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus' story, how the, the experience of Jesus coming to his house, coming to his home, to eat with him, changed him. I will give half my fortune away and anyone I've defrauded, I'll pay back four times as much. That's the kind of radical generosity, sharing that characterised Jesus' ministry. And so it should be no surprise to us that we see it in the first church community living out the very same things that we saw in Jesus. In the Old Testament, there was a a law called the Law of Jubilee. 
And this law said that every 50th year debts should be cancelled and land be returned to its original owner. Now we don't really know whether there was ever a time when it was actually practised in full. But the principle behind it was a noble one to eradicate poverty. And in a sense Jesus was living out jubilee every day. He hated poverty. He hated it and he wanted to eliminate it. The early church hated poverty and they too wanted to eliminate it, to eliminate need from among them. They wanted to share what they had so that nobody had need. They were living out the commandment to love your neighbour as yourself and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then there was another characteristic of that church in Acts, which brings us to supper. Because they were in the habit of eating together. Again, something that was very important for Jesus. Not so much the eating, but the coming together at table for a meal. The meals that were so much a part of Jesus' ministry were occasions for bringing people together. And in a way they were foretastes of the kingdom of God, living expressions of welcome, acceptance and grace. I'd love to have been at some of those meals because they brought together widely different groups of people. Those meals challenged prejudices. They broke down barriers. Barriers between rich and poor, sick and well, fishermen and tax collectors, important and non-important people, religious and irreligious, Respectable and unrespectable men and women, these meals were a picture of God's grace, mercy, love, healing, restoring, people being made whole persons again, together, dignity restored. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see in Acts that people come to faith through hearing but also very much through the witness of the church, the word in action, the church carrying on the ministry of Jesus. And so again it shouldn't surprise us that when it comes to this snapshot of the first church, eating together was so important, breaking bread together. That hospitality of Jesus is also something we reflect upon, isn't it, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, his supper, together. Remembering his death and his grace to us, his bringing us home. There will be a time when we can come together and do that again. But for now, we wait in this in-between time, still doing our best at keeping together while being apart, when loving our neighbour means social, social distancing, but doesn't need to mean being distant socially or spiritually. Amen. Let us now come before God with our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let us pray. Lord, we cast our minds back 
to the beginning of this crisis that we're in and all the prayers offered to you since then. And we give you thanks for answers to prayers. We give you thanks for the steady decrease in cases of coronavirus. And we pray that as lockdown measures are gradually eased, there will not be an upsurge in the rate of infection. We pray, Lord, for those who have been bereaved during the lockdown, that you would draw especially near to bring comfort and strength in this season when the normal support of family and friends remains limited due to ongoing social distancing. We pray for those who suffer with serious and ongoing health conditions. We pray, Lord, that you would give extra strength, give to them your peace and perseverance in this period in which the usual care and treatment is restricted by lockdown and health service capacity. We pray too, Lord, for scientific researchers as they continue to work towards developing a vaccine for COVID-19. Lord, help them to use their gifts and experience to provide a solution that will save many lives. We pray that increased knowledge and learning from the treatment of those who've had COVID-19 would enable a better understanding of the issues involved in combating the virus. We thank you, Lord, for all of the opportunities that technology has provided us with for, for keeping in touch with one another, families, friends, church, and for slowly increasing opportunities to see each other face to face again as restrictions begin to be relaxed. Lord, through all this, give us a new appreciation for one another. We pray this week for calm and peace to be restored in the United States. We pray for real listening to cries of injustice and racial discrimination. And we pray for concrete steps towards a fair, more equal, kinder society. We think about the painful, difficult and sensitive matter of troubles related pensions for victims here and the legacy of the past which still very much hangs over us. Lord, we pray for wise, fair, carefully considered decisions to be taken by our politicians. But if not them, then by those who are in a position to make such decisions. We pray that we might be able to deal honestly, truthfully with our past, recognising wrong for what it is, in order to help us to move on to a more just, more prosperous, more healthy society where all belong equally. We continue to pray for our young people whose future that is. Lord, as some of them are leaving the world of school or university at this very uncertain time, help them to look to you in faith and in trust. Lord, guide them in the path that you have for them. Be with pupils and students not sure when they will return to the classroom or what their learning experience will look like when that happens. Lord, help teaching staff to continue to be creative and caring and supporting as best they can. We pray that 
circumstances might continue to change for the better so that things might get back to normal as quickly as possible. And indeed, that's what we pray for our church as well, although we wait patiently for your timing. Lord, help us to be patient. Help us to persevere. Stay our hearts. Help us to remember that our times are in your hands and to wait upon you to renew our strength as we live in this in-between time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you, both now and forevermore. Amen.